They say America is dead. Hey everyone. Welcome to Around the Campfire with Kate. Tonight is a special night. You know, I've been uh, playing a lot of motivational videos from Byron Rogers. And I've heard several requests from y'all saying, can I interview this guy? And you know what? I got him on as my special guest tonight. Byron Rogers. You've watched a lot of his motivational videos, and now you get to hear him live. Welcome to the show, Byron. Hey, Kate. It's an honor. It's such an honor to be here. Thank you. I didn't know anyone watched those videos. <laughs> oh, my gosh. You have no idea. We have oh. international truck drivers all over Canada, um, South America, United States, um, and they have nothing to do. And yeah. they listen to my broadcast every Thursday and every Sunday night. And wow. guess who's uh, featured sometimes? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So amazing. Oh, that's outstanding. That really brings me joy. That's an honor. Thank you. In all you do in your life right now, Byron, Mm -hmm. who is Byron Rogers and how did you get to where you are today? Well, uh, great question. I love this question. Um, You know, I'd say at my core, I'm just a man who is extremely familiar with how imperfect I am and how vulnerable I am. Um, But uh, I gain a lot of power from that by the grace of God. It just, it's, it's motivates me to work really hard. Um, And then at some point you get to a place where you realize that if you can do those, you can stay consistent and work really hard from a place of humility um, you can really actually become uh, formidable. You can actually become confident. You know, you can be the person who can look in the mirror and actually feel good about yourself if you can if you can work from that place. Um, and that's that's like the first stage where like really it's like uh, the magic happens. You know, where where you really get to see the power that you have inside of you that God put inside of you to fix you. You know, by His grace, and then. Uh, the second phase of that is when you uh, see that by being faithful with the little you've been given and the imperfection you've been given, you can actually empower and help others um, because of your journey and because of who you've become on that journey. And um, that's when the really big, um, I mean, the really big rewards start coming and I mean, invaluable you know, uh, currencies of life. Like you couldn't put a price on the way that starts to feel and what that means, you know, to you as an individual, how validating that is and how, you know, you hope your God will be proud of you for doing that and living that way. And so really at my Genesis, you know, and that's kind of the flow I'm in, you know, and that's kind of why I'm so contribution centric. Um, because deep down inside, every time I make a contribution, like I know I'm not I'm not that cool, but like I know that I I can bring people together to make a huge or a high quality contribution that'll help people, you know, by the grace of God. And I I know that uh, if a man is just faithful with, with the little he's been given, 
I think it's amazing to see what he can actually do. So that's who I am, man. I'm just a guy who's really aware of um, my vulnerabilities and my imperfections to the point where it drives me to try to do more, become more, and give more. Um, that's how I describe it, by the grace of God. You know, That's how I describe it. Well, faith is definitely an integral part of what many of us experience. And without that faith, taking that next step forward is incredibly hard. Absolutely. What happened to you? You disappeared. Oh, I did. I was messing with my camera. I was trying to move it into the <laughs> screen there. It's like, where'd you go? Oh, yeah, my gosh. I'm sorry. I'm not familiar with Skype as much. Um. Tell us about what inspired you to write your book, Finding Meaning After the Military, a Combat and Survival Manual for Every Veteran Facing the New Battlefield of Life When Entering the First Civilian Division. Yeah, so I um, I got out of the Marine Corps and, you know, boots on the ground in the First Civilian Division and like most of us, I was kind of like, wow, this is going to be amazing. This is going to be, you know, this is going to be the most amazing uh, and free and, oh, I finally made it, you know. And um, then, you know, I had to figure out what to do, and I did okay with that. Uh, and I actually was really blessed to have a really solid career path just right in front of me by the grace, like, you know, by the grace of God. Like, I literally, you know, feel like Holy Spirit told me what to do, where to go, and I ended up on... Uh, one of the biggest international private security details uh, in the United States. We traveled more than the president of the United States that first year when I was 21. Hit 60-some countries that first year. Did that on repeat for seven years. But I had a pretty clearly defined path. Still survived that by grace, it, you know, because I, I was making a decent amount of money at a young age and things like that. And, you know, I hadn't developed my decision-making skills that well. But nonetheless... You know, the, the phone calls started rolling in, you know, hey, you know, such and such just committed suicide. Um, you know, another one of our guys just committed suicide and they just started racking up. And I had the um, fortunately had the, the fourth foresight to see that life is a very sophisticated equation. And if. You know, being that I'm not that really that smart or that cool, I knew I had to work really hard to try to create anything that would give me freedom in life, you know, and, and, and even harder to create anything that would give me real meaning in life. So I always worked really hard, but I saw my other buddies just kind of sitting around and I started to see, you know, this effect I call the atrophy of identity, which is when, you know, the, the you that you were proud of in the military that you created starts to atrophy you're like a, a lamborghini uh trying being forced to drive in a school zone you know like uh you're like an adult being forced to watch cartoons all day because you know you can only drive like 15 25 miles an hour and you've been you know going at 100 and some odd miles an hour non-stop for a few deployments or for a whole period of your life um so i started to see this this atrophy of identity the identity we created inside the marine corps um Break, get broken down by civilian life. I, um, I have a psychology background, and I really dig Viktor Frankl, and he talks about purpose-driven therapy, logotherapy, and he talks about putting a statue of responsibility on the other side 
of the United States to balance out the Statue of Liberty because uh, freedom without responsibility is death. And uh, I believe that's what a lot of us were seeing. We were getting out of the military and what we had created, the version of ourselves that we had created when we had a purpose, um, withered away and atrophied and died. And uh, based on the lack of purpose that we had as we got out and the lack of ability to find purpose um, and to step into and find a new fight. And so I would start seeing that psychologically and I saw the fallout of that. And um, that book is really just my version of the tools that I used to navigate that time in my life and the tools I used to help a few other guys navigate that time in their life and the tools I think that really anyone going through a transition can use to help transition safely to the other side, especially if you're leaving something that's been such a huge part of your life that you're faced with having to create a new identity. You know, those are the tools. You know, the reality is you built the old identity of the power to build a new one. Um, but sometimes gaining traction in that fight and that new fight is a very difficult thing um, because it's hard to start at the bottom of the mountain every single time. So that's what that book's about. The inspiration was, um, you know, losing more guys in, 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 in the first civilian division than we ever lost in combat. And a vision I had of seeing my guys that were still at war were just scattered now and we're all cut off from one another. And we need new tools to survive. Well, sometimes it takes a mountain for God to get a hold of us. Sometimes a stormy sea. Um, Absolutely. You cannot climb that mountain if the mountain is smooth. Hmm. Yeah, that's good. So, um, oh, you'd be surprised how good I can be. <laughs> I, mean, I do have some intelligence in that baby toe somewhere. No, um, you cannot climb that mountain if that mountain is smooth. You have to go through the rocks. You have to slip. You have to slide. You have to take the switchbacks. Because if you do not, you are, you are not going to learn. And that is very difficult, especially just getting out of the military. I, too, um, had difficulties when I came back from overseas from being in the military. And I am a lot older than you are. Um, and <laughs> by a minute or two. A minute <laughs> And. Uh, with that being said, it's like when you join the military, your civilian life in your head stops that day. And so when you come home, you have to catch up. Yeah. Your life is still where you left it when you left for the military. And what can you say to help motivate those who are listening who feel as if they are back at day one. And I'm not just talking about um, military veterans. I'm talking about those just getting out of prison. And I'm not talking a physical prison, but an emotional prison. Mm -hmm. Those who feel like they have to give up because there's nothing else left. Yeah. What What can you say to them? You know, um, I would say that progress equals happiness. You know, I'd say that if you're sitting there and you're staring at a new life or, you know, you're sitting there and you're staring at absolutely nothing left after a devastation, um, I think 
what kills us many times and, and just stifles our desire to want to dive into the new fight is um, what's taking place in our minds, you know, when we look at that new mountain, that new dragon, that new challenge, or it's starting over again, or when we look back at what just happened. Um, I've learned that so much of life has less to do with managing the situation outside of ourselves, but has quite a bit to do with managing our own minds and what's inside our minds. And at this point, having done a lot of things that used to scare me, I really have learned that the, the greatest torment and the, the scariest part of any journey is what's in my mind at the beginning of it. You know, on these journeys, you gain so much trust in yourself and your God. And you learn, you know, I just know that, you know, um, we've just done so much at this point that I, I, I'm really excited about challenges. But when you're starting out, uh, I think the most important thing is you do what we do when we're on a long run, you know, or when we're, when we're on a long hump and you're destroyed and you have to keep going, you got to look down in front of you, right in front of you. And you got to just put one foot in front of the other. And you just got to focus on that. You know, when things got really hard in training, it was just make it to breakfast. And then it was just make it to lunch. And it was just make it to dinner. And then before you know it, you can make it to breakfast and lunch. Then you can make it to lunch. You can make it to dinner and then you can make it through the whole entire day. And, you know, don't despise small beginnings and start to really realize that the sooner you start, the sooner you finish. You created what you used to have. You can create what's you can create by the grace of God what's going to be created tomorrow. Um, do not, do not wait for anyone to come save you. If someone comes and helps you, then thank God for them. But uh, faith without works is dead, and it's impossible to please a father without faith. Don't place your um, well-being in the hands of anything outside of yourself and, and your Heavenly Father and get to work. The medicine is in the work. The progress is in the work. You getting better is in the work. You feeling better about yourself is in the work. The fulfillment the realization of who you truly are on your deepest levels, if you do the work, is in the work. Uh, the work is truly really what's going to bring you back to life and help you find value in yourself. I become stronger as I work harder. You know, you have to do the thing to have the power. It's a very simple formula, but many of us don't start because we see how long the journey is. You know, and in all actuality, we have no idea because you can't see the mountaintop from the bottom of that mountain. You just see the mountain you think you know, you know. Um, but if you're on the journey, you're getting strong enough to deal with everything as it's coming to you, which is beautiful. So to make it really simple, control what you can control, prioritize and execute, rinse and repeat. And you'll find that within the first even 24 to 48 hours of living your life that way, You'll be able to go to bed with more self-respect. You'll be able to go to bed a little bit stronger. Like, you know what? I may not have done much, but the three things I set out to do today, I did two of them. Tomorrow I'm going to do three of them. And then you'll start to gain momentum. And you'll be, you'll be, you'll be hard as, you'll be strong before you know it. That's the medicine in my opinion. And your Heavenly Father will be proud of you. So that's what we're here to do, in my opinion. Absolutely. <laughs> Well, hypothetically, mm -hmm. I see you on Facebook, and I see you're a strong, motivated individual. Thank you. 
I'm saying hypothetically, remember, oh, okay, just, just okay. kidding. <laughs> <laughs> you win. But, but say that I am one of those individuals who is lost. Yeah. Um, but I see you as strong. And I'm reaching out to you. And I say, you know, I just saw your video on YouTube mm -hmm. at the hero within. Talk to us about the hero within and how can I find that hero within myself? I know. I've heard it. I've been preached to. That faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Right, but right. What people do not understand is when you read out loud the word of God, you are hearing it. So talk to me about the hero within and how do I find that hero? Yeah. You know, it's interesting because I feel like everyone wants that, but it, um, it really is the type of thing. I think God's too good of a father to give us anything for free. You know, it's, we really, really, really have to earn things of value. And I think it's beautiful that it works that way. Like the things that we we unlock that he's placed there since the beginning of time. Um, if he had given me the things that I wanted, you know, the, if he had given me the things that I'd seen and had a vision for 10 years ago uh, that I have now, they would destroy me. They would have destroyed me 10 years ago. You know, um, you know, and that's why we ask to be, you know, to prosper as our souls prosper. And so I find the journey to be such an important piece of that, that whole, the way he works with us. Um, to be honest, I think the hero within is that's a place that you arrive at as you continue to do the work, you know, as you continue to have the right perspective as you learn how to look at the challenges as honors, you know, who would David be without Goliath? You know, who would Christ be without the cross? You know, and you start to realize that you're honored by your adversary. You're honored by these challenges. And because you're on this path and because you start to realize that the more challenges you're faced with that are always relative to your strength, you have to continue working on this. Um, that's when you start to really, re you look behind you eventually and you're like, wow, you know, um, what started out as a blind walk into chaos, really, you know, as an entrepreneur, like into, into chaos, into doing things I've never done before and trying to do things, you know, that I have no idea how to do has now turned into something that is extremely valuable. You've started, it started off as a blind walk of faith. It started off as like God saying to Moses, you know, go to this land, I'll show you really turns into this this amazing experience um, that has rewards far beyond anything that you ever could have imagined. And the reality is I never really could have dreamt up any of this. <laughs> you know, like I've had visions for parts of it, you know. Um, and it's one of the things I really want people to understand is like, you know, like I said at the beginning of this podcast, you know, so if I'm talking to someone off, off of Facebook or anyone who was looking at me and they kind of think like, hey, you know, you're special and you're strong and, you know, 
I don't know if I can do the same things you can do, you know, or, or are doing, you know, because they're seeing me, you know, at this later state, you know. Um, I want you all to know that, like, I wasn't always like this, you know. Like, I, I was, when I'd go to the Bahamas as a little boy, I was the only American. So I was, like, the only. So I was always, like, kind of spit on and had to, like, fight for respect all the time. You know, I was a little fat kid. And then when I, you know, you came fat? <laughs> oh yeah, I still, got, I still got fat kid jeans, you know. I got to keep an eye on things, you know. But oh, thank you. No, but yeah, I was always a little chubby kid in the Bahamas. They'd be like, "Hey, fat boy, get over here," you know. Um, and I had to, I had to overcome all that, you know. And then in, I grew up in Washington in Gig Harbor, Washington, and I was the only Caribbean dude, only black dude, and I had to kind of figure out how to navigate that effectively and not let any of those struggles change my self-concept, change my name. Um, and I've never really, you know, I go join the Marine Corps and I was always like kind of towards the end of the middle of the group when we go on runs, you know, um, I was never special at all, you know, and I, I my football team, I, I did start both ways, but it was like, it was because I, it was because I was kind of smart enough to create a system that helped everyone memorize every single play. So I like really brought the team together, but it wasn't because I was amazing, you know. So I, um, I've always been mediocre, and I think that it's really given me an edge because it's helped me realize, like I said, what a mediocre man can do if he's faithful, if he's a good steward with what he's been given. Because now that life is picking up speed and now that I'm seeing different dragons and different troubles and different things, it's like, no, I've been, I've been fighting and I've been training and I've been trying to, you know, make myself stronger for so many years, you know, that now I have these values and I have these tools, you know, and now I can face, I, I, I'm like David, it's like, I've killed the lion, I've killed the bear and now we're going to slay this Philistine or we'll die a good death and whatever it is God wants us to do and it'll be fantastic, you know? And so you, you, you really will transform if you have the faith to go and stay consistent with that. Um, but you know what? Me and a buddy were talking about this the other day, and I think it's extremely important. You do – I don't just get motivated by happy stuff. I get motivated by fear and faith. Um, I think it's really important to get fed up at some point. I think we fight a lot harder for the things that we won't tolerate than the things that we want. Oh, absolutely. You, you – if you do not fight for what you want, you do not seem to appreciate it as much. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. And I think people focus on, like, well, how can I get motivated? And they like, how can I make myself want something? And I'll tell you right now, there's a lot of my motivation that comes from what I don't want, what I'm afraid of, what I'm running from, the shame I can't let catch me. You know, like I, you hear me on my channel. There's a fat version of me chasing me. You know, there's a stupid version of me chasing me. There's a version of me that missed the opportunity because I, I wasn't smart enough or didn't try enough, didn't learn enough, didn't practice enough chasing me. You know, there's a broke version of me chasing me. And so I talk about those things. And I think to myself, like every time something happens, you know, it happened in my job that was just hard for me to stomach, you know, uh, doing executive protection. You don't get holidays, you know. You know, you don't get to live your life. You're someone else's shadow on an Gosh, international level. Yeah. So every time things like that would happen, you know, some guys would get mad and be like, this is horrible. I can't believe this. And in my mind, I'd just be like, you know what, Byron? This is your fault because 
you are getting in direct proportion. You're getting reciprocated back to the value of the contribution you're making in this world. And it's got you sitting in this spot right here. If you want to change it, you're going to have to become smarter. You have to become stronger. You have to become better. And it wasn't until I got really fed up and scared about the direction I was going in life and all I was going to accomplish that I really dug in and realized I'm in a war fighting for, for my life, you know, fighting. You're also to get showing God. example. Well, thank you. You are showing by example. I see on the executive protection lifestyle page that the examples that are set by those in the industry, people know who to follow and who not to follow. Um, for example, I am not in executive protection. Um, Everyone knows that we trace track, rescue and extract victims of human trafficking, which is a totally different industry. Yet, if you do not show by example in whatever industry that you are in, whether it's executive protection or the protection of our youth and our women, our children, um, men, does not matter. If we do not show by example, who do those who do not have the self-esteem to carry on, who do they follow if you are not the example? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, I heard your dog. Yeah, that was truth. Yeah, <laughs> That's he awesome. tends to be the one. You know, he's a good guard dog. But yeah, no, that that's a, it's a huge point. You know, it's and I think you know, after a while, at first it was something that I never wanted to have happen. I've never wanted to be a leader, but I've always wanted to make a contribution. I've always been like, hey, well, if we're going to link shields, you bet they're not coming through my, they're not coming past my shield. They won't get past my shield. So I've always been like, I'm going to for sure make contributions and do my part. But then what ends up happening is, you know, as you're faithful with, you know, being able to do your job good, you find yourself in a leadership position eventually. And then eventually, you know, something happens and everyone looks up and they're like, hey, who's going to do it? And they all look at you and you're like, oh, man, I, I guess I'm the guy. And then, you know, it really then becomes a thing where it's like, all right, well, you know what? I guess, Father, if you've put this mantle on me, I'm going to do the best I can with it. You know, so that's that's uh, that's a beautiful thing. Thank you for reminding. Thank you for saying that. The best uh, leaders, in my opinion, are the ones who do not want to be leaders, but do the best they can to lead. Absolutely. 100%. Um, I believe that God puts people through that open door that another person who is, quote, qualified, unquote, refuses to walk through that door. God calls the unqualified. And he qualifies us where man cannot qualify what God qualifies. Absolutely. Don't get me preaching, brother, because... <laughs> it's about to happen. I can feel it. Because I can preach. Yeah. Amen about, to that. <laughs> there you go. Tell us about the Bravo Research Group. Um, so that is... Bravo Research Group is my private security company. It's a boutique private security company, and um, we're out of Orange County, California, and we build security strategies and place teams around high net worth families and 
We also do a lot of faith-based operations as well. That's awesome. So if I wanted um, your protection, yes. I could call you and I can say, hey, Byron, fly it's, to Kentucky. Yeah, I'll fly to Kentucky. I'll stick you in the Appalachian Mountains and you can figure it out from there. <laughs> yeah, right. And we'll figure it out. I'll do some research, but we'll figure there it out. There you go. Some things for sure. Yeah, we've operated all over the world for for years, you know, I've been in this game since I was 21, so it's been over a decade that we've that I've been doing this with the guys I work with. So it's it's an honor, absolutely. So, what is uh, the executive protection lifestyle? Right. So, I have a bunch of I have a number of different brands and businesses. Right. So, it, I know it can get confusing actually, because um, there's a lot going on in there, and. Uh, so the Executive Protection Lifestyle is a podcast that um, basically that's my industry podcast. That's where I talk about what it means to be in the executive protection industry, what it's like. And I interview agents at the top of the game in there um, and folks that are making an impact. Sometimes I even interview new agents to, to the industry so people can kind of see what it's like from the ground up and how to build and how to get into the industry. Um so that's that's my industry facing uh, podcast, and then I have the civilian facing podcast. Which, if you don't want to hear industry stuff, there's the Protector podcast. That's all about protection and private security, just just protection. So we study warriors, we study you know Navy SEALs and Delta Force guys and uh, FBI folks, and just anyone who's been a warrior. Uh, and we really learn as much as we can from just who they are and also what they do. With regards to protection, I think I'm gonna I'm going to uh, dig into you a little bit more deeper because I like that. Well, thank you. I like that a lot. Um, and how that, did you go oh, ahead? Sorry. No, go, go ahead. This is your that, show. No, no, this is your show. Thanks <laughs> for having me. Though, no, that podcast then um, is under the umbrella of the Protector Nation which is my civilian-facing uh, tactical training company. And we have live events called Protector Symposiums, Hard Skills Intensives, um, where we focus on skills that have to do with personal protection. Private security folks come to them, first responders come to them, um, and civilians come to them as well and train with us. It's awesome. I've had uh, SWAT team guys and SEB guys and uh, guys that are in the military come to me and say, Hey man, this is amazing. I learned a lot. And I've had single moms and, you know, uh, everyone all over the spectrum come to me and say, Hey, this was amazing. I truly learned a lot here at those live events. And then we also have the digital training component, uh, also to the protector symposium, which is a library of all those live events. It's pretty cool too. So my mission is to make the world a safer place. Um, by helping good people to become more dangerous, essentially, which means, you know, helping good people to be more willing, capable, and prepared to protect themselves, bring more on-scene accountability to to our world. So that's that's how I've, I'm attacking that mission with those brands. I want to be, and my teams, we are wanting to be a part of your protector symposium, not as, uh, as teachers, because we 
even though we're in a different industry and we are yeah. trained for what we do, we want to learn what you do so it can help enhance our skills. And we would love to physically take part in your protector symposium so we can learn. Is that open to people like us? 100%. Yeah, that's, that's 100% it. It's open to everyone. You know, I think we all have, we have our basic needs, but protection is definitely one of those, you know, you got to be able to protect yourself. So that's no matter who you are, no matter what walk of life um, you're in, if you're like just a barista at Starbucks and you're like, well, geez, things are getting dangerous. I need to figure out how to protect myself and my family. Um, everything from the psychology of protection to behavioral profiling. We even actually did talk about some human trafficking things. We had Basil Baz come through this last time. I love him. He's an amazing man. He's like a special man. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> it was amazing. Um, you know, we, we talk about all kinds of strategies, CCW operations, how to protect your home, how to set your home up, um, all kinds of things, de-escalation. Uh, it's all in there, surviving armed encounters. You know, we had an officer that got shot seven times. Um, and these are all like really, really, really well-established trainers. You know, they're really kind of the high-end pedigree of trainers in the law enforcement federal um, kind of spaces. Uh, so it's really, really top-end training. I'm I'm always blown away when I go through the pipeline with everyone else because I go through and train with everyone else half the time. You know, if I'm not on stage or something, it's such an honor. And the people and the networking and every time we get to the end, no one wants to go home. And they're like, you should have made it longer. And I'm looking at the schedule like this is going to be too much for normal people. Um, so it would be an honor. Yes, it's absolutely open to, to anyone who's of the light and is all about protecting. We want to glean as much as we possibly can, especially in any type of life-saving industry. As if you can, if, you know, we can teach to our heart's desire, but if we're not willing to learn, then we are no longer a teacher. Absolutely. And we are forever students is there is always somebody who knows more than I do. And I want to learn from that person. I want to take your brain and I want to download it and insert that into my brain so I can learn from your mistakes. And then I can learn from your gifts and I can learn from your faith Mm -hmm. and I can learn from your example. That is what I want to do. And you probably do not even hear that enough. (laughs) No, it really does mean the world. It does. And that's why I, I, you know, like I, like when I say things sometimes, I'm just like, I hope everyone knows I'm, you know, I'm just trying to give them what, what I got, you know, I'm trying to give them what worked for me and I'm trying to give them um, the most valuable things I can give them, you know? So, uh, no, you should know that it really touches me to hear that. I, um, I, yeah, it's, it's, it's amazing to be seen in that way. It's really humbling and it's really an honor. Uh, I remember, you know, when I kind of had my wake up experience and I was like, dude, you're going to have to get way smarter in order to like not perish in the chaos of life. And I remember being like, well, you know, I want to have fun with my friends. And I was like listening to music and being a kid kind of. I remember being like, dude, you got to shut the music off 
and you need to spend time with people that are going to help you get ahead. And this means audiobooks. <laughs> and I just started to dive into high quality content. I'd spend time, you know, I'd listen to the Bible on audiobook and I'd listen to different motivational speakers and anything that I felt a tug to move in that direction. The Holy Spirit told me to go in a certain direction. I would study everything I could in that direction. And uh, it's essentially what you were saying. You know, people would be like, who do you, who do you spend time with? I'm like, I spend time with authors, really. Um, but it really takes on a life of its own. It's very valuable tool. Because if you want to improve the quality of your life, you're going to have to improve the quality of your decisions. Uh, which means you're going to have to find higher quality information. So, Absolutely. Yeah, that means a lot. Who, who is your hero? Who do you look up to? This is a difficult question for me because uh, huh, that's funny. So my whole life, I've always looked for people to look up to. I love my father. He's a very intelligent, uh, amazing man. But, you know, he didn't raise me. And so I love him. But I wouldn't necessarily say that I, I look up to him in some ways, but not like most the ways most people would think, you know, I've, but I really appreciate him, you know, so this isn't like, a, oh, I don't have a dad thing, but that's a thing for a lot. Of, that's a real thing, but I've adjusted to it quite well. Um, if I was going to say, I've always looked for people to look up to, but I've had a tough time with that. So the Holy Spirit's really honestly been the only person who's never left me, never forsaken me, has always looked out for me, has always given me good advice. I have a number of experiences where he's the only thing that saved me, he saved my family's life when I was five because he talked to me. Um, I have a, a huge luxury of not needing a lot of faith to believe in God because of the the path, the, the experiences that I've had uh, with just life and death in him and my path. He's always directed my path, really, obviously. Um, so the Holy Spirit's really been the person I've always looked up to. Uh, but I do feel this creeping, uh, as far as a human on this planet, you know, the Holy Spirit. Jesus, and then I really do value the time I've spent around Baz. He's very, he's very, he's very much developed in a lot of ways that I hope I can be when I, uh, when I reach his age. From what I can tell, at this point. Um, wow, that's an honor for him. <laughs> it's an honor for me to be associated with him. Yeah. So I've, you know, and I study study people and from what I can see I'm like wow you know he's strong you know he's strong in the Lord but he's also a warrior um, he's very very intelligent very capable very, very formidable you know and uh, but it's deeper than that on a lot of levels and so if I was going to talk about someone on the planet I, I would I would probably say that's the closest thing to someone I'd look up to um, but really the Holy Spirit's been my teacher I've had many mentors um, but everyone's, you know, it's always been the Holy Spirit. It's always come back to that. Always come back to him. Amen. <laughs> In life, you, you didn't know I was going to pick you apart, did you? No, I love it. I'm an open book. It's In nice life, what? It's nice to have someone ask me deep questions, you know, rather than this kind of surfacey, like, you know. Oh. People need to know who Byron is. That they cannot relate to what you do in the industry unless they know who you are. Yeah. Um. For example, um. 
I would not want you coming to my mansion, to my home, to my to my fortress if I didn't know who you are. Oh, yeah. That does not matter if you are in uh, executive protection and you could have the best reputation in the whole world. If I do not know Byron Rogers, you're not coming to my home because you will not make it past the main gate. (laughs) I believe you. (laughs) So with that being said, people need to know who you are. So those in all of the countries that are listening to you right now, they are learning about your God. They are learning about your faith. Mm -hmm. They're learning about your trials and your struggles. That is huge. That is important. That is how I would want to be interviewed. But I digress. What is your worst experience of your life that has built you into who Byron Rogers is today? Hmm. Worst experience of my life. This the is, one that sticks out the most that that helped form who you are. Yeah. Well, I'd say that there have been a number of things that have the same attributes to them. Um, a number of things. It's interesting. I'm sorry I'm not a simple answer person. Right? Yes, no problem. <laughs> you just cut me off in if I keep running too nope, far. You, you run all you want to. The show's yours. Oh, thank you. Um, I'd say that there's there's been situations a lot of times in life where I've I've really learned some hard lessons. You know, like there's nights that I've prayed to God all night long in the Marine Corps. I was just freezing all night long. And I just remember being like, Father, you said you'd never give me more than I can handle. But I just, (laughs) I just, you know, I just, I'm so cold. Like, can you just, can you you help me? You know, but, you know, I've been. Lord, can you please send some angels down with a wool blanket and a a whoopee? Yeah, a whoopee, some hot chocolate, something. And I remember just praying all night long and freezing to death, you know, and those situations taught me. And there's multiple situations like that, like catching uh, that like Iraq dysentery twice and losing 15 pounds overnight. Good you know, Lord. Just sitting there shivering. Both times I was 15 pounds overnight, took four IVs. And I'm just sitting there shivering and just, you know, like walk into the bathroom and I can just put one foot barely in front of the other. It's like. And I'm I'm using my rifle as a cane, which is like sacrilegious for a marine. It's like horrible. Like when I'm like trying to survive, you know. And I remember thinking like, man, I'm gonna die. I'm for sure gonna die on the way to the bathroom because I'm out in a fob. I'm not at the big base. I'm like in the middle of the desert. We have like a circle, you know, or like vehicles and tents, you know. It's and and the winds blowing. I just remember getting through that stuff and barely surviving and just being like, Father, help me, please. And you know, all those times of being like, please help me, please help me. And then, like, you just survive. You know, they taught me that we just don't know what we're capable of. He does. So as long as there's air in your lungs, you just keep on. You got to just keep on fighting, and you're capable of so much more than you realize. You know, so those situations really taught me those things. And the Marine Corps really taught me a lot of that, how to suffer well. 
how to suffer well is such a huge one. You know, I learned a lot about watching people suffer with me being left for about a week. Um, uh, we we cleared through um, our AO and we went out as far as we were going to go to the arm of the Euphrates. They set me in a blocking position and then they went back and back cleared and left us there for about a week for days and days and days. I was sure we were going to die. We shut off our radios and um, hid out inside of like um, inside of um, areas where, you know, they were lobbing mortars at us. We hid out inside those craters and stuff like that. And we had reinforcements. We had we were reinforced by a recon battalion. I mean, not battalion, but squad that got um, rolled over an IED and had to get extracted. So it's just me and my squad left. So I was sure I was going to die in that situation. Um, but just sitting there and just being kind of like, man, that's a short version of that story. Um, Father, I don't, I don't know if I'm going to make it, you know, and asking for relief and just having to wait. You know, it just taught me that he's really the one that's there with me no matter what. There's so many situations that I shouldn't have survived, but I did. Um, and, you know, I, I was in five IEDs in Iraq, plus some minor explosions. Um, snipers took shots at me and missed, actually, and um, which is rare. I got hit directly by 50-some-odd pounds of homemade explosives Ouch. for the last one, which really rocked my world. I had an out-of-body experience. I thought I was dead. So my whole family um, prayed and came back. Wow. Um, which is a lot of the motivation for a lot of the things I do now. Um, and that just kind of, once again, showed me that, like, you know, uh, you're not here because you're so cool or so powerful or so tough or so such a good gunfighter, you know. Um, you're here by the grace of God. And, uh, you know, that grace better not be given to you in vain, you know. So I... Um, those experiences helped shape kind of a lot of who I am and, and what I do and why I do it. And they taught me how to fight. They taught me, you know, to, to really have a good, a good attitude while I suffer. Cause it's an honor to do that. It's an honor to work hard. It's an honor to be st strong enough to shoulder the things that you're asked to shoulder. Um, so we're honored by our adversaries, you know, and then there are other things that taught me how to just start over after I'd been crushed, you know, and, um, my girlfriend at the time cheated on me during my first deployment. It was like the biggest heartbreak I'd ever experienced. What's her name? What's no. her name? And, <laughs> Give it her. And I'll go. And I will go say hello to her. Uh, right? No, you know we were like little kids. We we're like eighteen, nineteen. I'm at war. Yeah, she didn't stand a chance. Oh, okay, fine. God bless her. And and you know. Party poop. I know, right? <laughs> but she told me right before I got on the boat to go away the second time. So I had to deal with the trauma of this. Um, while I was shoving off for my second deployment. Say what? Yeah, so she told me. Um, okay, what's her initials? Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> I got it out of her. I shouldn't say she told me. She was not going to tell me, but I just instinctively was like, hey, I'm going to, I could die. Can you just please tell me the truth about what happened last time I was gone? And then she told me, and uh, this was four hours before I had to get on my boat and kick off for my second deployment. So uh, I'm like trying to deal with that as I go away again. Um, that was a really hard thing. Betrayal is very difficult, you know. I didn't speak for three days, you know. Um, you know, so I've had all these different little things. I had my parents put me in a, 
um, they were fighting over me with a cut and having a custody war. And I ended up in like a foster home for a few weeks. Uh, and I got in fights every single day with all the little kids in there, you know? So I, I kind of was alone again and learned that same lesson. And, you know, so I've had all these different things that have happened to me over the years that have really kind of culminated into this really, really, and I can say this with confidence, not, not arrogance, because I believe it's accurate. And I believe I prove it constantly, a very rugged and a very robust and a very resilient, uh, paradigm, a very resilient way, a very resilient tool that I can serve with. Um, and I think it's just a matter of perspective. I think these experiences are things that everyone goes through, but the way you look at these situations are either going to make you stronger. I gained so much strength and validation from these for being here by the grace of God and still being healthy and intact and focused and strong and driven, you know, whereas other people, you know, they really can dismember you if you don't think about them properly. So it's a long answer to your question, but I'd say there's a lot of different situations. Absolutely. One, it would be getting blown up and handle those ex getting blown up with 60 some pounds of explosives. Um, I don't know how you're doing on time. But <laughs> yeah. You're doing great. You're doing great. Um, for those who do not understand what executive protection is or executive protection lifestyle is, um, to boil it on down to lack of a better word is Byron is a bodyguard. He is the one who is paid to take a bullet for somebody. And in my opinion, that is huge. I have a bodyguard. And he is attached at my hip 24-7. He is my best friend. He is married. He, he is expecting his first child. Um, but I understand what you have to go through as a bodyguard because your holidays are hard on you. If you have a wife, you have a child, it is not easy. And for those out there listening to want this type of lifestyle, this is one of the reasons why I wanted Byron on the show is to show people that this is not the movie The Bodyguard with Frank, what's his name? This is real life. Mm -hmm. And Byron motivates me because he shows me through example what I need to do to treat my bodyguard better. If that even makes sense, it might to him. But, and I hope my bodyguard doesn't listen to this because <laughs> I don't want him taking advantage. No, just kidding. He wouldn't do that. Yeah. Um, with that being said, Byron, what can you tell people who glorify the executive protection, i.e. bodyguard business, the industry? What can you tell people who want to get into the industry just for the glory? Just for the glory? Uh, oh, so in my school, I have a whole chapter, a whole module. So you have a school? Yeah, I have, a, I have an online training school. I, uh, you know, I put everyone through 
uh, a number of different modules. And then I actually stay on and train with them on a biweekly basis. We have Zoom calls and I help them achieve success in their industry, in the industry. Um, Executive Protection Training Day is the name of the school. It's been it's blowing up. Um, so it's been an honor to do that. Um, but I put a, I dedicated a whole entire chapter to this because people think, especially because they see the cars, the jewelry, the private, you know, the, the yachts, the private jets, that that is like essentially all there is to the life. I would tell you, you know, people really demonize the ego quite a bit. I think you need a healthy ego in order to be effective. You need to know who you are. You need to take personal pride in things. You know, I do a good job because, you know, my name's on attached to it. And, you know, before God and my family I always do a good job because there's personal pride attached to those things. But I mean the other side of the ego that's unhealthy. Uh, if you have an unstable ego and you get into this into this industry or if you think it's all just private jets and uh, traveling the world and great Poupon, uh, you're going to really have to deal with a lot of cognitive dissonance. And that means uh, what's going to happen to you when you realize it's nothing like you thought it was can really destroy you. Put it this way. I remember one of my first ops, I was getting suited up <laughs> and one of the, the one of the, one of the uh, guys who'd been there a long time, he's looking at me getting suited up and I'm all proud of myself. I'm looking all sharp, you know, and uh, we're getting ready to go out and do the deed. And he's been doing it for years and I'm on my first year and I'm like, you know, having a little bit. And he's like, in about a year, you're going to hate yourself. And I was like, what are you talking about? <laughs> he's like, you're going to hate yourself. You're going to hate this. And I'm like, I just came back from Iraq, bro. Like, ain't nothing as bad as that. I remember. Um, and I remember one of the other mentors I had, he's like, you better be careful, B. Because we were doing some church stuff with some church people. And he's like, you better be careful, B. He's like, you do this job too long, it might try your faith. You know, because you'd be working with these church people thinking it's all good. Thinking they're all Jesus-y. And, uh, you know, it might shake you. Uh, but the reality is, this is a service industry. Okay? So you are the help. And you are serving someone. And you need to have the right mentality to do that. And you have to realize it's not about you. So... If you're the type of person that can look at things as it's an honorable service, you know, I believe that protection is the most, if not, is one of, I'll be humble and say one of, but in my opinion, it's one of, if not the most honorable services you can render because no greater love than this, than a man would be willing to lay down his life for another. So it's a service that you can't just do. You need to become formidable. You need to become good enough to do it. Um, and to make that ultimate sacrifice, you know, is, is, is the ultimate act of service that you can do, uh, for someone. So I take pride in it. I take pride in serving people. Um, and it brings me great, like joy, you know, and regardless of how they act, it's not about them. It's about you as a protector and, and the work product and the quality that you render because of taking pride in your work product. Right. Um, and so one of the things a lot of agents have to come to grips with is, hey, you know, military guy, we're not taking over a small country. We're not, uh, you know, ziplining and spy rigging. And we're not about to hit a house right now and, you know, capture oh, kill the enemy. <laughs> I know, right? Uh, police officer, you don't have a badge anymore, you know. Uh, you're going to have to get things done with social dynamics. Um, and you're not the man anymore. I'm sorry you were in your department. But here, you could be a coffee getter in like 10 minutes. Like, you might be the coffee getter. Or you might have to put the car seats in 
uh, really quick while we go to that one place that we went to last week. Uh, and that's all the hint you're going to get. And you better figure it out, you know, <laughs> in the next five minutes. Otherwise, you look incompetent. You know, like you have to realize that it's a very fluid service related industry and you have to check your ego at the door and you can't let it go to your head because if you let it go to your head, you'll be what we call the flavor of the month where you're the new shiny thing during honeymoon phase, client principles, cool with you, likes you. And then you start to think that, you know, all the things around you are about you and you start to become too friendly. And then you, 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 you warp the relationship and you find yourself, uh, out, out, you, you lose the job because you get, you get too close. You get too unprofessional and you don't focus on just doing what you're there for. So it's not, I've, I mean, I haven't had holidays at home until recently. Like I've been in this industry for 10 years and I'd say I miss every holiday easily for the first, easily for the first seven years, probably, you know, geez, even more than that, just forget about it. We're going to go do things on the holidays, you know? Um, uh, but it's also been an honor. You know, I've seen the world. I saw 60 some countries inside of my first year because of where I was placed. I did that on repeat for seven years. I got to go to inauguration. I've been to inaugurations. I've been backstage. You get tremendous access, you know, but again, if you don't remember your place and to play your part and to be a servant and to take pride in that, you start thinking you're the client, you'll kill the entire thing. And the ride will be over instantly. There you go. You know, I often share your tactical reviews on my show. Oh, yeah. People, people need to learn situational awareness. So and, and I've been trying to teach it a couple of times on my shows. And and I've been asked, can you show by example? Well, the best examples I got is Byron Rogers. So um, I share your tactical reviews. Tell us about these reviews. Outstanding. Thanks so much. Yeah, the tactical reviews, uh, I'm really proud of those because what I've I've kind of tried to tackle the equation you're mentioning where it's like, how can I help people who haven't had anything happen in their life to prove to them how important situational awareness is? How can I help them value situational awareness that could one day save their life? <laughs> you know, so it's like, you're trying to tell someone from the desert what the jungle's like. You know, it's like, you know, I'm trying to tell my sisters, I've, which I have five sisters, you know, I'm trying to tell my sisters, hey, be careful. Don't sit in your car and play on your phone, uh, you know, after work. Like, get in, get out, you know, pay attention in transitional spaces. Um, sit this way, do these things. This will make your life safer. And, of course, you know, sisters and daughters and uh, just teenagers in general are looking at you like, dad, come on, dad, you know, little brothers, they're all like, kind of like, yeah, whatever. For me, I'm always trying to educate my sisters though. Um, and they're like, whatever. And I'm, I've been looking at this equation cause I'm a protector, you know, by nature. And I'm like, how can I get humans, you know, that have grown up in orange County, California and all around the world that really have no good reason to take these things as seriously as I would say, cause I've seen how horrible life can get in an instant take them seriously. And so I started reposting real world violence and people started to really kind of like hit me up and be like, Hey man, that video you posted was crazy. You know, it got me thinking, you know, man, I should, I should probably, you know, uh, pay attention when I walk to my car after work, or I should probably do this, or I should probably do that. Maybe you should stand like this at the gas station and things like this. And so I really started to think like, this is 
a great way to introduce like microdose trauma to people so they can see, no, this is an actual thing. This is Absolutely. what's happening in the world. And they can make the connections. And then on top of that, if you can see what I see, you can do what I do. You can have what I have. So with me running through it, um, with me running through it, you can hear the way that I'm processing information while the event's unfolding. And then you can process information that way, uh, just the same way as a as a protection professional would. That is a good answer. Thank you. Thank, um, thank you. I do not know why I'm like surprised or shocked at that. <laughs> you do encourage people. You don't. You do not know how many people actually are watching you. I and know. there's there are a lot of people that that you do encourage through your motivational podcasts. I know for me, I listen as often as I can. I'm on YouTube every day to see if Byron has posted something motivational because I could be going through a, a rough period. I'm, I'm one of those people that I do not like to show emotion. Uh, because of what I do, I cannot afford to show emotion. Mm-hmm. So I listen to Byron because he shows me that it's okay to be human. Yeah. But, oh my oh. goodness. How dare I for one second be a human being? Mm. Um, what inspires you to do these motivational podcasts? You know what? I just, I don't, I think it's really just how far I've, I've come. It's like, I don't know, but like it's, I started these things like 10 years ago when I was just like in my car and didn't have anything, you know? Um, I think I've I've seen some of those. You The old school ones in the car? I have seen <laughs> some the of those. Best, the best part is people after a while were like, yo, Byron, uh, do you have a house? <laughs> They thought I was. They thought I was living in my car because I was always in the car. Like, boom! What's up? <laughs> um, it's so funny, but I mean, opsec and stuff. I don't know, but uh, you know, honestly, I just felt inside. There's just the grace of God. It's something that He's put inside me. It's like, hey, you need to say this. You need to say something, and I'd just be like, and then when it when these when it comes over me, or I'm sitting there in my own head. And 90% of the time, I'm talking to myself while I'm talking to you guys. I'm sitting there in my own head working something out. And I'm like, wow, like this has really brought me balance and strength psychologically situating this this way. This is a tool that's helped me. And then I want to share. And then it's like, who do you share with that's going to actually uh, uh, value this? You know, like when you said at the beginning of – you know, this this webinar you're talking about wanting to, like, listen to the things I have to say. Well, that's one of the most rare things in the world. That's one of the things I fear getting old, you know, because I feel like less people, you know, in a, in a proper society, more people would listen to you. But, you know, um, when these I just feel something wanting to come through me by the grace of God. And then I'm like, usually it's when I'm working out. And sometimes it's just when I'm on the road. And then I'm just like, boom, and I just let it out. And I'm, I'm working out myself while I'm working and talking with you guys. And then once, while talking to the camera, and then once something's really solid, you know, that's really when um, I let it out. And I'm like, wow, this is, I'm inspired by what I've 
attained by the grace of God and through that internal work that I'm doing. Um, so we're like, we really, really are. And I've said this a number of times, we really are on the journey together. Like if you're following me, like you're literally going to watch my life and listen to my life and my thoughts and see what God does with me the same time I do. <laughs> you know, so I, I think that that's really a blessing and I enjoy vulnerability. So like I'm all about it, you know. If, if, if each one reach one, and I see you reaching out to more than one. Oh, thank you. That's an honor. Um, gosh, this hour went by so fast. There's just not enough time to talk to you, my brother. Um, <laughs> thank you. I'm... Well, ho- hopefully we can have you back, and then we can talk more about executive protection, um, being a bodyguard, what you do, um, yeah. not just motivational, but your um, protector of your protector symposium. Yes. I know I'm, I know I'm going to be getting several emails huh. wanting to know more about this. Okay. Um, so I am going to have to close this out, guys. I am sorry, but uh, an hour just isn't enough. So um, tell us where we can find you to listen to your podcasts, to listen to Byron. Outstanding. And thanks so much for having me. It's an honor. It's such an honor, Kate. It's an honor. It's, it's a very interesting feeling to be, you know, to be valued and to be uh, listened to like this. It means the world. It's, it's amazing. Um, every time, you know, it's, it's always an honor. So you can find me at ByronRogers.com or ByronRogersMotivation.com. They go to the same place. But, yeah, that's, Byron Rogers. That's B-Y-R-O-N-R-O-D-G-E-R-S. Perfect. Yes. And then all everything else you can find from there, Instagram, YouTube, both my podcasts, live events, it'll all be there on that homepage. Check them out, everybody. You will not regret it. Thank you. Thank you, Kate. You guys, this ends the broadcast for me tonight. Thank you all for tuning in, and a special thank you to Byron Rogers for joining me around my campfire. I hope it was a warm fire and the glow from the embers can show through both of us through the Holy Spirit remember everyone train hard train smart to survive thrive and stay alive this is Kate signing off until next time